Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hello, people. My name is Jimmy Wong, and welcome back to another episode of the Command Cast. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Lee Kwai. What up, what up? And we have a brand new guest today. A what very is your special name? Guest. Yes. I'm James Bianca. Nice to meet you guys. Nice. James, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. It's a good yeah. day in Los Angeles. Nice. So, James, uh, do you want to explain to everybody what you do for uh, Wizards and Magic? I am a new addition to the creative text team, which is responsible for the card names and the flavor text. Oh, cool. The card names and the flavor text. Pretty right, sweet. Right. I see. You now, before you came on to this show, I had no idea that the people that wrote the card names also did the flavor text, and they were so intertwined. I didn't know that either until I got the job. I thought it was only flavor text. I was delighted to find out that I would be able to submit the card names as well. Now, I'm guessing you're a writer I by am. trade. Nice. Am, yes. You got a degree in writing. I just completed an MFA in creative writing from CalArts with an integrated media concentration. Um, very thoroughly deep into a novel. I've worked in um, I've worked at, in journal, newspaper journalism. Mm-hmm. I right now work for a branding and marketing firm as the as the lead writer, and I do freelance narrative design for other game companies in the in the gaming industry. Right now, I'm working with uh, a company called um, Abracom in Belgium. Abrac- oh, Abracom. Oh, Belgium. Yeah, I met nice. up at the GDC. They're making a, a digital TCG called Feria, and it's browser based, uh, and it, it's actually gorgeous. Like beautiful lush environments the music is really atmospheric and they they love magic they were stoked that i that i had done this and um i'm sort of their full service guy i'm right now composing and editing lore for public consumption nice well so how did you get into specifically like magic and wizards and like what's your inroad to even start to do that well i you know i've been playing magic you know for years and i know i know the know the, the game and the story fairly well and i in the summer before I went off to start this, this MFA, this writing degree, I had an essay in my heart that I wanted to write, but I didn't have the language for it. I didn't have the terminology for it. It was basically, I had been sort of wrestling with the question of why would you play with analog media? Why would you play with cardboard in 2014 when you have mm. such a wealth of great gaming options with digitality and all of the interesting new dynamics that that, 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 you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that medium mm-hmm. entails and enables? And so... Um, I had I ended up writing this essay, you know, in the first semester at CalArts, you know, in a class. Some some of the readings informed me, you know, gave me some language I could use, gave me some frameworks, and I wrote a very dry, kind of ponderous academic essay called "In Defense of Cardboard: Trading Card Games as a Remedy for Digital Fatigue." 
fatigue. Uh, oh, yeah, digital fatigue. Like you know, and it's like stared screens all day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's nice to come home and like, you know, sit at a table with a cup of coffee and like something in my hand. And you know, mm-hmm. cards really do have the this like physical art object quality to them. That's why people like foils, I think. But essentially I wrote this essay and I shopped it around online. I was looking for um, some kind of non-gaming platforms and venues. I was looking for just kind of academic journals, like mm-hmm. me- media studies journals. Oh, I, yeah. I, I wasn't writing for a, a magic-playing audience. I was mm-hmm. writing. I was trying to explain this, to answer this question, and you know, kind of explain myself to others. Right. Um, and it ended up getting getting picked up at GatheringMagic.com, which is you know, a, you know, fairly yeah, fairly big cool magic website. Yeah, yeah fairly definitely. cool. You know, magic venue, and the editor there asked me to stick around, and he was like, you know, I'd like to do more of this kind of long-form theory-based. Uh, you know, magic journalism, uh, you know, as such. Uh, if you Excellent. Wanna, if you want to stick around as a staff writer, you know, I'd be welcome. You'd right. be welcome to. So I was stoked on that, and I stayed there. And there actually is a fairly robust community there of um, of creative text writers on that team. And I just I met them. We all connected on Twitter and got some relationships off the ground. And eventually, one of them was like, um, you know, here's the here is the in. And so I I followed up on it. I applied and um, began my relationship with creative. And they gave me a test, and I passed that test. And can you talk about the test? That is fascinating. I like the idea of a test. I can probably not talk about the test. Ah, but there uh, was a test. There was I, there was a test. I'm fine I, with that. <laughs> I, I produced I produced you know writing for them that. Oh, so the test isn't like magic knowledge or past flavor knowledge or anything like that. No, it's no, because like, I was like, man, that would be they so can go in a lot of different directions. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't a lore a, a lore trivia contest. Oh, because I would imagine like one of the requirements. Well. Here, let me ask you this first. Like, sure, you sure. said you played Magic for years, but how did you get into Magic? Like, how many years? Like, well, I played as a kid. I mean, mm-hmm. I was I was in fifth grade, like playing cards on the on the playground. So you've been playing for a long, long time. I stopped for almost a decade mm-hmm. with a lot of people. Most of my peers stopped, and then I was in college, and a friend of mine came back to the dorm one day, and he had just come back from a from a game store where he had been drafting. Nice. And he put them down, and I was looking. And I was like, these are actually awesome. Again, I remember why I did this, and then I. Um, I started playing and I started making a bunch of casual decks and eventually went to a store and uh, started going to F&Ms and the rest is history. Nice. Well, that's a funny thing about Magic. Like, I think anybody who had early experience with it, I mean, oh, I'm the yeah. exact same way. Like, once that you've had that itch, like, yeah. it's going to pop back up, like, at some point in your life when you see him again. Like, you know, I was the same way. Like, start out basically when Magic started, fell away from it, then... Years and years later, you pick up some cards, you look at them, and it's like all of a sudden that part of your brain just turns on. And yeah, you're like, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to scratch that itch again, and then yep. you know, it's just there's something about the game that just keeps calling I, you back. I think it was my first introduction to the world of this kind of game. Mm-hmm. Like afterwards, I remember like I played World of Warcraft, I played MMOs, trying to scratch that same itch, right. but nothing really satisfied it as much as cracking cardboard did. <laughs> oh man, it's, yeah, it's, there's nothing like it. It's great. So let me ask you, okay, um, like we were talking about the test, like. I mean, it seems like you need a lot of knowledge about the lore and the story. Like I said, I've been playing right. Magic since the start. I don't know much about, like, the cohesive story of Magic. Like, I know bits and pieces, you know, that right. I've heard here and there, but I've never, like, picked up, like, a good, a huge volume that says, okay, here's how it goes A to B to C. I mean, right, I know right. about the Urza yeah. Mishra War and yeah. some of the Planeswalker lore and, you, you know, know. About the, the Eldrazi. Yeah, the Eldrazi and, you know, and sort of the recent stuff, like Theros t- makes, it's easy, that makes a lot of sense, but, yeah. man. Yeah. Theros is clean. There's Very a whole clean. bunch of stuff. Like, how much of that do you have to, did you have to, like, go into, like, study mode for a while <laughs> to, like, like, what do they require? Not, not really. I actually, I'm learning as I go constantly. I, I make great use of the, the various lore wikis that are available mm-hmm, online, mm-hmm. and a lot of the times as I'm writing, I'll, you know, we'll have a card concept, and I'll be like, okay, this quote 
this, you know, the voice of this quote, I need like a blue trickster. So then I'll go into the lore and I'll be lo- looking through the planes. I'll be like, okay, like where can I find someone? Where, where's it like an in-game location that we're, that is producing this type of mage? Like I need, right. I need like trickster mages. And so I'll be like, oh, Vesva, like well, let me go read about that for a while. And then I'll go like, I'll wander over there and I'll, I'll just come out with, I'll come out with something very specific that was, you know, kind of came from a place of generality, but I'll, I'll follow that to the correct place right. in the lore. Now, that's, that's I find that really uh, just awesome because you, of course, have to build upon prior lore to build new lore. And right. so at what point do you actually say, like, okay, I've, I've, I think I've de- decoded where this person should come from, what this person is like. Like, when do you decide, all right, this is when it becomes my character? You know, like, there is a breaking apart point where you are creating new lore. Right, right. I, it's actually, it's sort of gray, and I wonder... I, I mean, it's certainly up to the creative discretion. Discretion, you know, like mm-hmm. they are they are the arbiters, and it's it's ultimately their game, you know. And so, um, you'll submit content, and you'll submit an idea, and you'll be building upon something, and you'll you'll maybe, you know, describe a sort of a dynamic of of an, of an institution, or you know, like a, a kind of quality of you know a group of people, and you're making an imposition. You're really you're really mm-hmm. adding something to that world. And creative as the arbiters of it, as when they're reviewing the text and choosing what to actually print and what to g- truly give birth to, yeah. can just be like, no, I don't like that. Or they can be like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I really let's appreciate that. It. You know, let's run with that. Let's incorporate that into the mythos. And so, you know, it's when they, when you really do come up with an original addition to it and you see, and they accept it, it's a wonderful feeling. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah, absolutely. But it is totally their call. Yeah. At the end of the day, of course. Yeah. So how does it work, like, step by step? Like, do you see a card? Does it have full art? Do you see mechanics? Do you see, like, the text of a card? Do you see, like, casting costs and everything? Like, how early on are we talking? Like, can you bring us through the process a little bit, you know, obviously without getting specific? Right. I, I can do so with a, uh, a slight degree of distance. Basically, there there is an online online database, um, uh, which all the writers log into, and we have um, basically have the set available to us in various stages of completion. So we might see a card fully fleshed out. Right. Um, It'll have fully completed art and all that's left is our stuff. It might just be the mechanics and the place with a placeholder image and with the art. And it's actually this hilarious shot of Martha Stewart. That you see it all the time. It's just oh, Martha, yeah. it's, Martha, it's actually terrible Sorry. to see her face because you want to see the art. You want to see it. It helps you, right? Yeah. You right. want as much as you can. But, yeah. I wonder how many cards have been uh, subconsciously influenced by Martha in this case. <laughs> I wonder too. That's actually why a great Martha question. Stewart. I don't know. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a fun yeah, yeah. image. Yeah. It's um. I mean, the me- mechanically, the cards are fully intact. Casting mm. cost, um, creature types, everything. What, what the card does, R and D has settled on completely by the time it gets to us. Uh, um, okay. And we are privy to the same art direction that the artists get. Presumably the artists might actually get more than what we see, but we see art direction that I imagine is written for an illustrator. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, show us this kind of a mage on this, standing on this platform, whatever. Um, oh, so you see the art direction also. We see the art direction. It's when really When it's not helpful. Martha Stewart. If we don't get Martha Stewart, we at least get the art direction. And you really need it. It's essential. Right, it's absolutely. It's 100% essential. And, I've, and I've, I think... Um, well, yeah. If the uh, name yeah. and everything doesn't match up with the art, then you've got yeah, you absolutely. Have and then there's so there's there's the atmosphere, there's this tone, and it just mm-hmm. really informs your voicing. And... Is there like a document that tells you the story of the set? I mean, for instance, we know Cons of Dark here is a wedge set. We know it's about warring clans. We know, you know, sort of, I don't know. One's in the desert. One looks like they're lizard people. Like, do you do they give you like a big thing that says okay here's the story of the set like so that you can start to like we are very prepared when we okay. begin, when we begin writing right. we know that, we, I think that's a great answer yeah yeah definitely. we have a great deal of material to work with uh, and from which 
to draw our our ideas and our content. Now, when you des- I mean, when you're submitting for a card, I mean, obviously the flavor text and all that. Like, what what makes you decide between like, okay, this is going to be someone's quote saying like, Kiora is going to say something about this person in quotes, or right, or right. it's something that the character itself on the card is saying. Well, they they wizards ask creative asks of us to um, to each provide variety. For, per, on a card by card basis, like right? You you submit multiple submissions uh, for quotes for names and quotes for each card, and uh, it is it, really quick. How many people are working on the same set at any given time? Um, it varies on a set by set basis. Are we talking uh, like a hundred people, or are we no, talking no, like ten no, or less? Much smaller, much single digits. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, it's a very tight, tight hand selected team of writers. Mm-hmm. Are um, you seeing what the other people are? Yes. Submitting? Yes, and that, that's actually that's actually a great dynamic because it's there to prevent redundancy. Right, so, right. that makes sense. And, and like you know, you get in there and it's like, oh, uh, you know, God of Revels, like that. I'm not going to submit that. Someone else has done that. And if right. we and if if we didn't see that, we might all submit that. Right. That might be. They might get you know f- you know uh, however many writers there were on the team. Right. Right. Um, uh, of that same same thing, and that that really impoverishes the submission pool for them. And mm-hmm. so, Definitely, mm-hmm. and also being able to see the other writer submissions, I'm guessing, also helps you keep inside your own world. So you're yeah. sort of building your your own grammar and and sort of pacing for your own flavor text in relation yeah. to each other, or riff off each other, you know, building mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. Like you know, someone's got a cool character that they made up in a quote, and they're attributing quotes to it. Like maybe make up something else and run with that, and mm-hmm. like it's great. And there's 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 no. It it should be friendly, you know. It should be right. to, it should be totally friendly and and collaborative. Right. Uh, and of course, there's a little bit of competition because it's like you know you, you, all, wanted, you all want you the names, yeah. yeah, yeah you all want it. It's, it's exciting. But, yeah. Well, that's actually uh, another interesting thing I want to ask about, and that because you're starting from a different, you know, you're coming at the story and the characters from a different standpoint, which is you know the mechanics of how they work, right? And not like we're starting from the ground up. This is this person in relation to this person, et cetera, et cetera. You can sort of just add names to the mix. Um, I mean, what does that allow you as a writer? Is is it freeing? Is it scary? I can imagine that's a lot, of, a lot of emotions. Um, it's, it's exciting. It's it's for me. I mean, I I found it a wholly positive experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for cons, I tried to create a sort of uh, repeated cast of characters, you know, to whom I would attribute quotes as mm-hmm. I proceeded mm-hmm. through them, and I'd be like, oh. I, you know, I would see a card, and I would have this like you know some sassy quote that I would write for it, and I'd be like, "Oh, that's totally this guy's voice," and, I, and it would be his quote, and you would mm-hmm. do it, and I would sort of scatter those submissions across the whole set. Um, but you're creating characters with their own voice, right? Right. Of, yeah, that's very right. interesting. Is that risky though, from your standpoint of like, if they don't like that voice, all the submissions for that one voice are gone, right? They have the ability to edit anything you do, so they could delete oh, they the can. attribution. They can change. They can change a lot of it. A lot of my a lot of my acceptances were from con were, cons were edited in mm-hmm. order to to match their mm-hmm. wizard, mm-hmm. you know, creative's voice. They do their own right. pass basically at the end. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, also, they're if they're taking from a certain number of people, they need to unify it, right? So, right, and they right. might just throw away all our submissions entirely. And to keep, and stick, you know, keep with the working title. Mm-hmm. Like that happens. Yes, that happens. Um, and I imagine, you know, I imagine God of Revels was set in stone from the moment that you know Zanagos was you know conceived as mm-hmm. a character. Cons is, Cons is actually my first set. I have not actually seen a card in print yet. I am so excited for this set to print. I hope you get many foils you. of that card. <laughs> do, you, do you know at this point exactly which of yes. yours were? Yes, uh, I know that's exactly. pretty cool. And I can say that's that cool. I can say that we're gonna one have... of the pieces of art that has been spoiled. Uh, is a card that I named. They didn't spoil the name, and I won't say which which piece of art it was. But I'm I was very excited to see that. Very cool. awesome. <laughs> That's, That's great. Awesome. That's We're awesome. gonna have to check back in with you after it comes out, so you can tell us like maybe definitely. One, yeah, one, definitely. One, I'm gonna have to find a creative way to display, uh, you know, the portfolio of work that made it. Through. <laughs> Do you find yourself going back to cards in the past and looking at them as sort of inspiration, Constantly. or, or 
constantly. What's yeah. a favorite like go to card where you're like, man, the flavor text or the name of this card is great, and I'm trying to replicate that when I can, or or draw inspiration from that when I can. I show people Goblin Assassin a lot. Uh-huh. It's kind oh, of a, yes. ran- I don't know, a weird card. Flip a I don't coin, even rem- right? Yeah, I don't even yeah, remember. Yeah. It's a corn flip card. I don't even remember what set it's in. I just pull it up as a demonstration to particularly non-Magic players mm-hmm. to be like, okay, this is what flavor text does. Like, here is how it narrativizes what's, what's happening. What's the flavor the text card. on the Goblin Assassin for those that uh, don't know? Well, well, well. First, the card. It's really important what the card does. Right. It's, a, it's a. It's an amazing creature. It's I run a, it yeah, in it's my a it's deck. a red goblin guy, and you flip a you like you flip a coin to, and uh, you choose a creature, I believe, and you flip a coin, and if you get it right, he kills the creature, and if not, he like kills some other creature. It's like he's really bad at his job. He's a terrible <laughs> assassin. Right. Well, actually, no. I I have it here. You so got it? it's cool. three and two red for a two two. Uh, it's from Legions. Nice. And it's whenever goblin assassin or another goblin comes into play. Each player flips a coin. Each player whose coin comes up tails sacrifices a creature. (laughs) So anytime any goblin comes into play, this guy kills or may potentially kill a lot of people. Right. So the quote on it is... Would you like to read it? Yeah. yeah. The more victims he kills, the more likely he is to get the right one. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So it's pretty good. It's, it's so goblins, and it's it's he it just perfectly perfectly explains what that card. My set favorite out to flavor play. text of all time is a goblin. It's goblin grenade. It's yeah. The oh, text yes. is um, if only we could teach him to throw the blasted things. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I feel like goblins. You know, as a as a, a race, as a trope in fantasy, I think are handled no, with nowhere near the amount of like affection and and originality oh, yes. than you know elsewhere in the genre than they are in magic. I think. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, agree. I think go- goblins are most at home in magic. Yeah, definitely. And I love. Yeah, I remember when I got back into the game, I was like, oh, cool, like a Greek god mythology set. Like I saw what the sets were called. Even just saying Theros, I was like mythology greek greek gods right without even having to see a single card from the set so i was really happy because it was so flavorful all the god cards i thought were really fascinating in the way and the enchantment creature idea so i at first when i saw it, i was like this is a really cool idea this makes a lot of sense for a god to only be active when there are enough people on the field like chanting that person's name you know right. it felt very flavorful in that way so sometimes i'm i'm thinking though you get a card with mechanic and the flavor text that you want to make for it may betray what you think it actually should be. Does that ever happen? Where the flavor text sort of reverses what you want to do with the mechanic, or the mechanic does something where you're like, well, I kind of want the flavor to be more in this realm. I mean, again, it it is, as a writer on this team, um, you know, it is not my game. And right. ultimately, like I'm, I'm playing by their rules, and so, and to the end of the, at the end of the day, you're also kind of writing in their voice a little bit. Like you, you learn the naming conventions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where you're like making little compound, compound adjectives mm-hmm. to you know modify like thrinax or whatever, whatever the noun is. Right, that right. It, mm-hmm. You know, um, so um, you kind of you kind of play by their rules, and you it's it's actually uh, it's a, like a writing prompt each time. And that's I, awesome, yeah. And I think that's actually part of the like one of the things you you learn as you know as a uh, as an artist who who has monetized and is continuing to to you know be professional and and actually you live off of off of art mm-hmm. making. You kind of. You don't you don't exist in a vacuum. It's almost impossible to make your living at art if you're going to be uncompromising. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. no one's going to want to work with you. Like yeah. you, you're yeah. not. You don't. Make... And you might weird, make some weird art too. Let's not kid around. Sometimes having it's not impossible. In place. It's just almost impossible. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for the select few, you can do it. But you almost have to earn it. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. You can almost never start out by doing oh, that, yeah. and you can very rarely <laughs> yeah. ever get to the point get where the you're point. The, where, yeah. where you are like that, but. Um, I mean, I'm only 26. Yeah. Like, well, I'm, so it's I'm a mature standpoint to, this, to, you know, this, to have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So do you so, think... Oh, yeah, go for it. When you look at a card, when you go to the page and you bring it up and whatever's there, there's a mechanic, there's a temporary name, there's sure. Martha Stewart, whatever there is. Like, <laughs> what's your first step is like, okay, I'm going to start to tackle 
this like how, what's the thought process behind like how do I begin to come up with uh, the, what the flavor texture of the name might be? I actually kind of click it a bunch and I like move around and I freak out and I look at other cards and then I come back and it's like <laughs> or look else, at other like, cards from other sets that are already no, out no, or look in at, the queue uh-huh. in, in right, the in right. the thing like I. If I don't have an idea immediately, I'll have to I'll go elsewhere and I'll like maybe sleep or whatever and I'll come back. Mm-hmm. Like it's it. A how lot of often times, do you have an idea immediately and how often do you not? I mean, pretty it... often. I'll, I'll look at a card and I'll be like, oh sweet, and I'll and I'll I'll, I'll move through a couple of things, but I might also immediately delete them and, mm-hmm. and come back mm-hmm. later. And you you make a couple of passes. Um, I make uh, fairly heavy use of of this, of this uh, excuse me the thesaurus because uh, mm-hmm. it is. It is often very helpful. Like you it's know, a very handy book. <laughs> no, it's a it's a handy tool. I mean, you know, you have an idea that you, um, you might have a word might appear in your head. Like you might look at a concept and you might have an adjective, or you might have an idea. Like okay, like this has to have like a celestial quality, but celestial is an inappropriate word here. So I will begin mm-hmm. with celestial and thesaurus, and I will wander through it until I have either seen a word that is appropriate or another one has occurred to me. Right. I mean, often like the the like an online thesaurus is not so much going to produce the word that you need but will uh, kind of galvanize your thought process to the point where you arrive at it independently on your own. Right. Yeah, I call this searching for sparks. I, yeah, that's, uh, great. You know, that's, that's great. As a, you know, Jimmy and I both obviously work in the movie biz, so mm-hmm. yeah, we're in the creative field and I always call it like I'm just looking for the spark, and then I'll fan that into the fire. But without yeah. the spark, it's really hard to make that fire. So yeah, all you do is just run around all the time. Yeah, you like, pick through the ashes. Is this for a hot while enough? Is this hot enough? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there it is, and then you blow on it a little. Definitely, yeah. you know? definitely. And then you take it into the into the gatherer or magic cards, you know, dot info, and mm-hmm. you some database, and you and you look and see what else is there. Um, for instance, with dragons or something with like an established creature type, those have a naming convention. Mm-hmm. Um, dragons, right. as far as I can tell, they are either. Blank dragon or blank hellkite, like most yeah. most of <laughs> yeah. the time, you yeah. know. And, yeah, and you know that's that is a convention that that wizards. Yeah, you never is, see one that's not that doesn't have one of those. Two yeah, in it's, right. it's, yeah, it's pretty, you know, unless it's a legend. Or, or yeah, or like Bolas. dragon whelp would be the yeah. only yeah. thing, but it still has <laughs> yeah, dragon. It still so, has dragon, dragon you know. Yeah. So like, you know, as someone who would like wizards to accept my content and then pay me for it, you know, I'm going to look and see at what they've, you know, what. What um, the rules they've sort of established well, yeah, without the unsaid rules. Follow the precedent because at the end of the day, this is their game. And mm-hmm. you are participating in it. And the things that are most in your voice are the ones that are very likely the least in theirs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, from I, a lot of my babies died. Like when I was looking at when I was looking at my acceptances and con, uh, cons, like I was very excited. I was very happy with my performance. I love a lot of the stuff. Um, but I also like I mourned some of the content that didn't make it through. And I was like, right. man, there were some really I, I labored on some of those things, but they were me. They were very much me. Right. Um, and so. um you that's know, the thing about all this contract uh, work, though, that's creative is, like, you know, you're always going to be in that position where, like, your favorite stuff yeah. doesn't – I call it the aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like you do this thing. It's like for you, it would be naming a card. For us, it might be writing a scene or whatever it is. But sure. then, you know, yeah. and it's perfect in your mind. And it's like you look at it from 20 different directions, and you can't poke a hole in it, and you can find no flaw in it. And then an alien from the planet, like <laughs> – you know, Alpha Centauri comes down and they don't even, they smell the color blue. Like, they don't right. have this, and then they are going to pass judgment on it. It's like, you can't judge what another person's going to think right. about your submission. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's a mature standpoint that you have. It's an artistic maturity that is, I think, necessary of anyone taking this seriously. Like, you really have to be able to, in, in writing one of the rules, is, you know, you hear show don't tell all the time. Right. Um, but one of the 
you probably heard, I'm sure you guys have heard this, but kill your babies mm-hmm. is, yeah. you know, all yeah. the time. And it's like, you have to be ready to let them go. I, it, right. You loved them, but like at the end of the day, the real baby is the final product. And if that, But if you have to love it to make it good, right? Of course. Right. So you yeah. can't get to this point where like you don't actually pour yourself into it because then it'll just suck from no, the you, get-go. No, yeah. you, have to, you have to love it as, as hard as you can while you're nurturing yeah. it and while, while you're creating it. And then you have to let, and then you have to immediately let go. You have to, you That's have to let go. That's the great, cool paradox of it all. It's painful. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> On that uh, somber note, let's actually let's move into some cons of Tarkir. What comes first for you? Like, do you look at the mechanics and decide the flavor, or do you sort of look at cards as a whole and then decide that from there, or do you really focus in on the cards? Um, well, I mean, there is a lot of art direction, um, and you know, we see the whole, whole card itself, and so it's often very clear what they what they want, mm-hmm. and it's up to us to come up with an inventive way to express that. Um, and Are so, there times when it's not clear what they want, or they may they maybe yeah, don't know? They might say they might you know they might say like this is open ended like you know this mm-hmm. like the, all of like this can change, um, and that's exciting. That's wonderful. We've heard stories from people at Wizards about flavor text and art changing cards. Have you seen that? Like where changing mid development? You mean, and we have to go back in and, and restart? No, I mean like what you're doing informing what they're doing sort of tailway the dog style uh, like uh, I've heard like art coming in and them being like well this art's awesome and it looks like this and let's change the card to match the art right. like have you heard or seen anything where flavor text changed I haven't witnessed that or uh-huh. I haven't had that experience mm-hmm. um, but I, uh, that sounds wonderful I'm glad they do that just yeah. keep working, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah It'll happen someday. Definitely. So I believe. Con- yeah. So for the uh, Constantark here, obviously there are five clans. Now, right, did, right. did you- Oh, s- let's talk about really quickly, because yeah. this is a big point about this set, is the names of- The clans. The, of clans. the clans. And there's yes. a lot of debate right now uh, online and otherwise about people are like, oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to get used to saying this. And it's right, like, right. by the way, you'll get used you'll to it. You'll definitely get used, get used to it. Used to yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, we <laughs> all say Grixis, don't we? Like, <laughs> come Grixis on. Grixis is awesome. And, yeah, and but so nobody they, said like, Grixis uh, 10 years ago or right. whatever. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, don't worry, you will say it. But that, like, there had to be a lot of weight because I'm assuming Wizards knew, like, this is going to be what these three color combinations are called definitely. till the end of time. So, yes. Yes. so the, what was that process like specifically for the clan names? Were you involved in that? I was not at all. No, that was set stone before we even they had already decided on that internally wizards before. does a great deal of world building mm-hmm. before right. we are even before we're privy to anything right mm-hmm. right uh, we show up to a, a pretty complete world um and you guys are kind of like the uh, the sprinkle of magic on top absolutely not to be you redundant. know and so when we're injecting new characters or embellishing on one that exists you know mm-hmm. those are liberties those are those are risky it's actually probably safer if you're trying to get more some like more acceptances to just stick to like you know kind of uh you know, a more direct expression of something. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, but what's the fun in that? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, you want to you want to be you didn't get into you, ar- you didn't get yeah. creative to be safe. Yeah, we're not technicians here. We're like we're, yeah. we're world builders too. So with all these clans, did you with your submission process and what you take and what you try to do? Do did you start with each color? Did you start with each clan? Was there any uh, process? I just went right down the list alphabetically. Mm-hmm. I did not use any of the sorting tools that are available to us to group by color or rarity. I tried to once and it immediately threw me off and I just undid it and went back to the back right. to what it was cuz I liked being shaken out of my of my comfort zone. I would move from one card to the next and it'd be in a completely different color, completely different rarity. Um, I right. enjoyed that. I, I liked. I needed to be surprised. I got stale if I tried to do it the other. No, you said you were creating some characters that you would use their voice continuously. Right, did right. you like how far deep? How deep into that do you go? Do you start writing backstories for those characters? Do you create like how much of in your mind? I mean, obviously, this is not necessarily. I, like... I did no background writing. Um, um you know, myself. Um, uh-huh. but um, their their faces and their voices and um, their day to day, their their their, their mm-hmm. habits. That starts to kind of. 
um, like you paint organically, a picture? yeah, arise yeah. in your own heart. Like the mm-hmm. way any like any character that, right. you know that you're um, that you're commanding in a fictional a fictional context like that. You know they they start to take take a little form. Can you tell us your favorite clan from Carnes of Tarkir? I'm torn between the Sultai and the Jeskai. Ah, they are, nice. Sult- I mean, Is that because they rhyme? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm all about Jeskai. Yeah. I like Jeskai yeah, a lot. The, the flavor for both is just so rich and wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. I love Bug as a you know as a color, right. as a color triplet, and so um, I was really, really um, just blown away by the way they married all of those color identities into one. It's something so cohesive, and I and I can't really embellish upon it. I can just point you to the art that's been spoiled of the of the Khan Sadisi. Um, yeah, and the other one of uh, a bunch of dudes posing. Yeah, um, yeah, I love that. The, art. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, this just proves my point also that anyone from early magic, because you notice he picked the two clans with blue in it. Mm, <laughs> anybody true. from early magic, blue. They know, they yeah. know. Yeah. Blue. It's all Blue's about blue. What's up? Blue, yeah. blue's, blue's blue just up. just kicked too much ass early on. You can't you can't stray too far. But yeah, but the uh, the Sultai are. Um, you know, their their adjective, I believe, is ruthlessness. That mm-hmm. was the spoiled mm-hmm. one. They ruthlessness are, are, and manipulation is what they're about. They are so wonderfully villainous in that sense. It's just they're they're a That's a my favorite. Delight yeah. yeah, they're just delightful. I mean, right now, you know? until we go to the pre release and I'm pretty pretty <laughs> sure that I'm gonna be um Mardu every time I can. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're gonna be yeah, that'll be fun. But uh <laughs> but um but the Jeskai, you know, are um on the other side of that, I'm much more like uh, much more heroic and cunning their, and tricks. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the cunning and the tricks. It's not so much a rogue thing as it is a wisdom. Ah, I see. Thing. So and using your knowledge to win yeah. the battle. Well, they're the eye of the dragon, you mm-hmm. know, and so it, it's about sight and, and and insight. And it's you know, it's there. You know, as we can see, it's very martial arts themed. It's got this kung fu kind of mythical China vibe yeah. to it, and so it has um, a very com- contemplative. Um, contemplative nature to it. And for me, that was great because, you know, I studied abroad in India and Nepal studying um, Buddhist philosophy. Of oh, you got Eastern philosophy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Perfect. So, yeah. So I was, guys, it's right up your alley. Then. Right, right. So, I mean, I, I saw the Tibetan flavor. I saw the architecture and the clothing um, in in the Jeskai, and I just went ape. It was amazing. I went to the library, and I pulled out a bunch of texts on Tibetan mythology, and I started getting into all like, a bunch of a bunch of old legends just to see how the stories were being told, how those mm-hmm. fables were structured, and like the tone of them, and like you know, are, are they are they playful like Native American stuff? Or are they really like are they really brutal and metal like Norse mm-hmm. you know myth? Like mm-hmm. like what is that? What is their character? And right. uh, it was just so mystical and super transcendent all the time, like people transforming into the various other things right i mean interestingly without getting specific did you find that that passion for those specific clan like translated into more of your submissions being accepted for them than maybe others or Uh, not necessarily no no i'm um i'm pretty scattered across the set um i had a lot of i think that speaks to you as a writer in that case because i mean it it just means you are consistent across a a bigger part yeah i mean i i i I had affection for there's uh, this misconception, I think, in creativity that somehow like passion always translates uh, to <laughs> the work in the end, and it doesn't. Like no, a lot no, of times, no. elbow grease actually wins. Yeah, yeah. And beats passion in the end. Like that, be, let that be a lesson to everybody out there. Yeah, you might be totally uninspired by something um, at, on its face, but then when you actually start to do it, you start when you grind it, it out. Yeah, you yeah, grind, you grind it, out, it out, and something pretty solid comes out. And, yeah. yeah, I think I, there's this idea though, young, young like emerging artists, where it's like you know that because that stuff's way harder to do, and like your brain wants to tell you like, and it won't be good in the end. Right. But right. that's not true. Like, right. yeah, sometimes the hardest stuff is the best stuff when it's over. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to cons, we know the morph mechanic is returning. Yes. Is there? Um, and and morph being, is back. Yeah, and being a longtime <laughs> Magic player, like, were you excited to see that back? Were you? I actually did not play with morph uh, or remember doing so when I from when I was younger. I you know it was I think morph had its 
its dominant presence when I had departed from Magic for a while, and uh-huh. I, I did, mm-hmm. it was you know it was not really active when I came back in. Um, this is actually going to be one of my first times playing with Morph in, oh, in that context, but flavor wise. That's it's very clear what yeah, he's doing, and it's extremely fun. You know, you get to you want to get in there, and you want to have the, um, you want to really have all the dynamics that are in play with morph mechanically. You want them to be present in the language, so you want there to be, um, uh, you know, a sense of sudden emergence. Like you want there to be like dynamism and change, and right? Mm-hmm. The, or if not in the actual text itself, it should be heavily implied that like you know something is going to emerge here and it's going to have an effect. It's going to have a dramatic effect. It's morphing into existence. Yeah, right. And so there's this veiled kind of kind of ambient quality to it in its morph state and then Mm -hmm. there's just this like violent ambush quality uh, as it emerges. And, you know, that was, that is inherent drama right there. That's just like a a soft pitch over home plate. Right, (laughs) right, yeah. That is awesome. It's tons of fun to work with. You spoke about this uh, with one of your favorite cards, Withinger Unbound, is is cards that instead of having a split face or two cards on the same card, it is more, you know, you'd rather prefer the card that flips over because it has that inherent drama. Well, not necessarily, I mean, I don't prefer it per se, but I appreciate what it's doing. Right, uh, flavor-wise. In terms of uniting, in terms of, Enacting the flavor mechanically, mm-hmm. um, right, right? The article you're referring to uh, was a an article I published on GatheringMagic.com. It was I called it the top 15 most flavorful cards, which was a uh, a terrible misplay on my part because <laughs> I would, it was <laughs> true, truly uh, more truly lessons to be misplay. learned. Guys. Yeah, no, absolutely, because it was uh, it was less so the the most flavorful cards. It was more of 15 cards that very clearly demonstrated, uh, you know, a a tight correlation between flavor and mechanics. And mechanics. Yeah. Right. Flavor that expresses what mechanics are doing and mechanics that, that carry out what, what flavor like, you know, describes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I try to pick cards that really, um, there's really like decreasing separation between those two processes as you get down to number one. And Withengar was my number one because I feel like Withengar does everything. Like Withengar, yeah. you, when you... When you I mean, you, there's so much drama in that. You take it out of its sleeve and you turn it over, and the whole <laughs> the card frame is different now. It's gained a color. It's gained uh, a creature. It's gained a type. <laughs> it's it's a suddenly creature, yeah. Yeah, it's like legendary now. It's well, I think well, it was the artifact legendary to begin with. It yeah. may it may it be. might be yeah. Uh, if you guys don't know, all I know, know is Jimmy smacked me with in the face with yeah. it the other day. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, metaphorically, we'll, we'll read the card. It is uh, Elbris the Binding Blade is what it starts at. It's a seven drop art legendary artifact equipment. Right. right. And all it is to equip for one is it gets plus one, plus oh, and you're like, wait, hold on a You know second. something's going on here. Yeah, and it's got great flavor text on the front. Well, the equip cost, too, is important. It's yes. only, only one. One to equip, yeah. It costs seven to put yeah. out. That's exactly. narratively <laughs> meaningful. Yes, very much so. And then when the equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, unattach Elbrus the Binding Blade and transform it. So flip it over. And the uh, the text on the front is, those who grasp its hilt soon hear the demon's call. And uh, there is definitely a demon on the back. It's called Withengar Unbound. It's a 13-13 legendary creature demon that's flying, intimidate, trample. And any time a player loses the game, you put 13 more plus one, plus one counters on him. Right. So this artifact costs seven to begin with because it's difficult to obtain, right? It's mm-hmm. like a, it is truly right. a legendary dagger. You need to go through great lengths to acquire it. But once you have it, it's very easy to use. Because it, wa- it wants to be used. It wants, it wants to be to transformed. Be yeah. The yeah. demon inside of it is like, you know, the way the ring you know entices the ring bearers to do things. It's like it wants you to do it. And so when you draw blood with it, it abandons you immediately. And it flips over, and uh, it now becomes this outrageous monster, and it's yeah. fantastic. Fortunately. You're still in control of it, right? <laughs> I always thought it yeah. should kill the creature that it was equipped to. I think but, so. That would yeah. be that would have been yeah. icing on the cake. I think that, that would have yeah. been great. Yeah. Um, 
and not yeah. just kill. I would say murder. It's a perfect, It's a great EDH <laughs> card. Well, it did murder me, so that was yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah, quite it's powerful. Cool. That's a wonderful card. I want to talk about a card now that we're on the subject. King Makar. Ah, yeah, the yeah, like the Midas analog. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about King Makar. Why is it a May ability on that card? I mean, you have to be up in arms about that as a flavor guy, right? Can we go over the rules once? Yes. The, the text. Let exactly. me uh, let me pull up King Makar, the Gold Curse. And if anyone doesn't know the story of Midas, oh, and do King you have Midas. a choice of? Whether, you have a choice of whether the. You should not have a choice. No, you should not have a choice. That's the point of the of, of King Midas is like conflict. They've caught a lot of flack yeah. for yeah. this, but I just you're and an the, official flavor guy, and yeah, so, that, <laughs> that seems that hadn't occurred to me actually. I looked at that card and I was. Uh, I was I was happy that they had done that. I was I was happy to see Midas being brought into the right. into the fold. Uh, you know, way like fleece. Oh, it's an awesome card. Like, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's, it's so it's, flavorful, yeah. and yet they messed it up with the just one. Le- sometimes it all it takes is the the yeah. letters M A Y and yeah. change the card entirely. But so King Makari is a two and two black. He's the gold cursed. If you guys have don't know about King Midas and the Midas touch. Very famous uh, story. You should look it up. Uh, he says, Inspired whenever King Makar, the gold curse, becomes untapped, you may exile target creature. If you do, you can put a colorless artifact token creature named, oh, not sorry, not a creature, named gold on the battlefield, mm. and you can sacrifice it to add one mana of any card. So basically, pool. he's like turning everything into gold, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anything he yeah. But the curse of Midas was that he had to do he it. Had, like, if he, he touched was, anything, had it became yeah. gold. And that, there's the sorrow there. That yeah. He can't yeah. love, he it's can't It's melancholy. Eat. Yeah, you know, it's, it's brutal. And he so it's never untenable. Like, yeah. You yeah. can't survive if you have that power. It sounds great at first, and then it's right. like, oh, that's going to... Yeah, it's gonna ruin my life. If he had been a may, if he had been a you know mandatory trigger, that would have eventually there'd have been no creatures in the battlefield, presumably. And he could himself. have done himself in yeah. Yeah, he and had that to is so beautiful. Yeah. That is <laughs> right. <laughs> that would have yeah. been great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our friend Will was saying this is how you achieve true sadness and true like actual loss is when it's not when you've done something wrong. It's knowing it's too late. Right. Yeah. After you've done something yeah. wrong, it's you're, you're past the point. I'm very happy to see Magic doing this. Of really like. Um, incorporating real world mythos into the into the, the game itself and, and and running with it, you know, and, and in cons of Tarkir, I mean, um, there are various um, historical regions that each of the clans reference, and that's visible. Right. In, it's visible mm-hmm. in the art. There, they have they have the trappings and like just like the. There's definitely like Mongolians. There's definitely like yeah. Mm-hmm. Those those are really exciting as a writer to to work with because you mm-hmm. get to do a great deal of historical reading, and it's exciting. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's fun reading. It's like it's 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 ritual and and violence and. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and drama. It, yeah, and it's the great. colors do definitely like to match up with that as well. Um, you know, one other thing to touch on is that it's a time travel set. I don't know anything about that. I have, so they didn't actually. No, I have, that was I my I've, question. I am I'm as excited as you guys are to learn about Excellent. how that is going to take oh. place and how that how that's going to play out. I saw the set of cons of Tarkir. I saw the. Uh, uh, I was given sufficient information to write right. about it mm-hmm. and no more. Mm. I, it was a completely need-to-know basis. I have no idea what the block is doing. I remember hearing very early on um, with the rest of the Magic community on Reddit and such that it, there was going to be an unconventional structure to the block. And I'm just like, really? In what way? It's I have no idea. <laughs> it's interesting because you would think that with the time travel, like they would want uh, cohesion between or maybe know, that's the references, the right? Who knows? Right. Yeah, because... Yeah. Huh, I mean, I can I can fully speculate with you guys. Like, I I love the idea of bringing. We know that the dragons are extinct on right, Tarkir right. at present day, and I love the idea of returning to a past in which they are not. They that are not, sounds yeah. exciting. Or turning to a future where they are. Right. As well. Yeah. An al- alternate future. Maybe we go back yeah. to the past. Well, I think we go. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Go back to the past, and then a sort of parallel timeline yeah, in the third yeah. set. As you know, to, yeah, to exactly. mimic. The They're going to retcon it. 
Yeah, yeah. That, they're gonna the, retcon that world, and then there'll, yeah. be, there'll be dragons in the future. I can't wait. It sounds great. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, I would love to see them do it. It sounds like a. I'm also very like excited because trip. usually time travel cards are take an extra turn, and it's like that's right. kind of flavorful. You just pay a lot of mana, and you like swirl around this Bloop. mystical ball, and yeah. look, you get another turn. But I'm really excited for time travel in this case because I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna do some really fun stuff. I, I hope. I would Definitely. think it would open up a lot of doors for flavor. Like, let's say, for instance, you've got all these characters, and they speak in a certain voice, but then somebody goes back in time and changes the time space continuum and now all of a sudden they're different characters than they were in your set so let's uh because we do have a couple of cards spoiled to us in cons we can definitely talk about them and i'd love to hear your opinion on on the flavor of them yeah let's talk about it especially this first one is zergo zergo helm smasher helm smasher and one thing i noticed on here that i I didn't even think about is that there's no room for flavor text on this guy he is all no he's doing quite a bit Yeah. yeah so so when it comes to something like that i mean that i mean that must be fun as well now you only get to do the name for this character and did you find that you have to sometimes give a little more to the name but you have to you give have... a lot more to the name if you yeah. only have the name uh to convey what's happening in it you have to be so careful every one of those letters the hyphen is a hyphen or not it's all very very clear you have mm-hmm. to be super precise so it's actually a lot more pressure yeah, to yeah successfully definitely. execute you got to do more with less Yes, you have to do a lot yeah. more with us. Yeah, let's yeah. let's read this card though. He is uh, Mardu. He's two red, white, black, uh, seven two with haste. He attacks each combat if able. He's indestructible as long as it's your turn. And whenever right. a creature dealt by him dies, put a plus one plus one counter on yeah, it. Yeah, he's just a beater. He's a beater. He yeah. is a helm smasher. Yeah, a dude is swinging in. Somebody named it good. I don't know if it was you. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't me. I didn't. I did not name that. We know that the the Mardu are what is it, speed mm-hmm. of the dragon, yeah. um, and it, I think definitely the, the the kind of the forces at their back and the co- that, you know visual visible in the Im- imagery, and then the colors themselves and our familiarity with what those colors typically do, especially in mm-hmm. um, I guess not necessarily in conjunction because we so rarely see that, but um, you know it's the Mardu horde. Uh, yeah, you can tell by just by the text on. I think we have an idea of what yeah. they're going to do, especially yeah, given what, what their leader does, and so. Uh, that's very exciting. Uh, that's very. That was very very exciting to write about because it's just it's just ferocity. And right. It was just right. testosterone the whole time. So when I was doing Mardu cards, I was just channeling my inner jock, and it was just <laughs> it was just straight like beer can crushing, like <laughs> nice. just like just axe in the sand kind of writing. And, and that that was great. Like you know, there's a, there's a place for that because yeah. there's also play, like each of the other clans are so different. Like the Just Guy would never behave in that way. And so when I oh, have something more poeticized, single temple, if I take it over there, interesting. Because um, you find you, you have know, to be and, in like different moods to write uh, the the stuff for, for the different clans. Like, it seems like you got to put on a different hat each time. Yeah, but I like to jump around. I, uh-huh. I like to wear all the hats at once and just kind of throw them on the floor and pick them up, and it's great. It's, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> now, how many cues do you take from the legendary leader of each clan before deciding to go into the flavor? Or is it just sort of, I know what these colors are about, Let's do it based on. I that. took a lot of cues from who those characters were as mm-hmm. as as people and as as you know with their backstories and so you know we know that Zergo as they mentioned in the in the Comic Con panel we know that Zergo and Sarkin have mm-hmm. uh, beef. some antipathy yeah and yeah, so they got beef yeah they, they got, got some, they got some beef do they I mean I'm assuming Craven can do whatever they want but did you see any instances where they like you submitted something for one card but they slid it over to another card oh, that's a good question. Um, I might be surprised when I when I see it. Uh-huh. Um, but so, when I looked over when I looked over my acceptances, I, I could pretty clearly remember you know what card they may match uh-huh. up to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've heard that happens. Yeah, I've heard that's a thing. I mean, obviously, it would be, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and yeah. and they like they might um, change it entirely. It might not even be yours anymore, but they still might pay you for it because you know it, it's what generated their their response to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It. I mean, I've had, you know, there's, I looked at a lot of them and I'd be like, oh, this is edited. I remember what it was. You know, it's this now. Um, 
they they make a but they still credited you with exceptions right. for that. Correct. That's great. Correct. Yeah. That's great. Um, is this Giza from? Cons? Giza is also She's, from. No, th- those are from, both the two cards. Do you guys pronounce her Giza? Commander. Giza, Giza. I, I'm just saying, like Jissa. I don't know. Jissa. That, that you know, I've like heard Jissa. Though, so I don't know about that. That's kind of a, <laughs> a little close to to profanity. Um, well, Jizza, yeah. I guess Gisela. Gisela. Yeah, yeah. I guess the yeah. only two. Yeah. Giza, Giza. Jizza just Gizza. does sound bad. That sounds I, I, really bad. Sounds yeah. like someone that's part of the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> Ghoul caller Jizza. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm waiting. Old for. dirty Jizza. Yeah, old dirty. Jizza. <laughs> <laughs> I we need to make that well, alter happen immediately. <laughs> the, the nerdiest joke yeah. of all time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about these cards that are spoiled, or would you rather? Oh, they're pretty them? cool. I mean, I mean, okay, cool. It's exciting to see her printed as a legend because we got a lot of flavor text from her and her brother Giralf uh, mm-hmm. in the Innistrad block, and we got a. I know they got covered a little bit in the Uncharted Realms column, right? And there was definitely, you know, there was there was narrative support for them as a presence. Yeah. And uh, I remember the community at large. There, I heard voices sort of lamenting their, uh, <laughs> their like their the fact that they didn't arrive, they didn't appear, and that was it's nice to see her arrive. I mean, we might get her off eventually, but I don't really feel the pressure. Like we're yeah, kinda, we've kind of moved beyond Innistrad now. I don't really, I don't know that we'll go back there, but. Um, She's a great card. She's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I, I love the art and just the mechanic. And she's just so carefree about her yeah. use of the undead. Definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if I'd run her as a general. I think I might run her in Grimgrin, maybe. Oh, ah, yeah, uh, Grimgrin. That yeah, seems definitely. that seems helpful. Yeah, token generator. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, especially if you're sacking Gravecrawler. You know, yeah, yeah, with definitely. Rooftop storm out with that classic combo. I mean, that just seems fun. Yeah, infinite tokens. Okay, <laughs> so before we move on to Commander Spotlight uh, on your deck, James, I. I do want to ask you one more question. How many boxes of Cons of Tarkir are you personally going to buy? <laughs> <laughs> to get all your cards. To get cards. all your cards. <laughs> I might just target all the singles. Because, I mean... It's true. Well, I, th- I think that's economically... Do you know the rarity of the cards that were yes. accepted? Yes, so, yes, yeah, yeah. You might have some expensive ones in there. I, you never know. What if... Yeah, oh, there, man. Could you well, imagine? I mean, the ones that you actually get... I mean, I don't know if you guys know this or if anyone knows this, but uh, one of the wonderful perks about being on the Creative Text team is that you receive a courtesy foil copy of every card... To which you have contributed. Oh, oh so my goodness! I probably should have well, revealed this earlier. Oh my yes. goodness! Oh my this goodness! A delightful perk. I would it's only so submit stoked. for the yeah. mythic rares, and that's it. <laughs> well, you see that actually. When Do you, you actually when you, work harder on the mythic rares? Then? You can't like, help you it. Slay right. Yeah, you can't <laughs> help it. You also have to recognize that the, your bread and butter, like your payouts, and like There's you know, comments, and yeah. it's going to yeah, be the comments. Like, yeah, and absolutely. That's like, and what are people going to play with most often? Like in draft and limited. Oh yeah, those are going to be the comments. Like like. But the card that's going to live on. In yeah. infinite. Eternally, the, yeah, the, yeah. the possibility <laughs> of a card that like is played in Legacy, yeah. you know, still twenty years from now, that, that's probably a rare or mythic rare. Absolutely. You know, most likely, probably. So, yes. If you want to be immortalized, yeah. And yeah. who doesn't? Yeah. You know? yeah. So absolutely. absolutely. So I mean, I have. So you get a foil copy of each one. Foil copy, sweet. everything is amazing. Sweet. I have a couple sweet. foils that I'm very excited to receive. Uh, <laughs> pretty awesome. Um, but wow. uh, but other than that, are there any that are going to go directly into your commander decks? Um. Yeah, there are a few. There, nice. there are a few. I'm, nice. a, I'm in a constant rotation of nice. so if and not like And then when you play now, it on somebody, you can be like, yeah. And, uh, I, I wrote that, bro. Yeah. yeah. I wrote that. <laughs> I named that card. Yeah. yeah. So the next time you can say that you died to so-and-so, yeah. you died to my I actually creation. look, I, I have more anticipation for other players playing, producing cards that I named. Right? <laughs> oh, like, yes. Oh, I see you like that card. <laughs> what do you think of that name? <laughs> <laughs> Give me your awesome. honest opinion. Yeah, That's what do you awesome. think, really? Uh, awesome. So yeah. today we're going to have a Commander Spotlight on the deck that you brought in, and uh, it's actually a deck that I've... I've thought about making or just just we chatted about it walking into it. Yeah. And see what I think and every Johnny in the world was extremely excited to see Crufix mm-hmm. God of Horizons. Yeah. Uh, 
spoiled. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, our commander spotlight is Krufix God of Horizons. Do you want to read him for us? Uh, he is a four seven indestructible for three a, a green and a blue. Um, legendary enchantment creature, subtype god. As long as your devotion to green and blue is less than seven, Krufix isn't a creature. Ah, okay. First ability is you have no maximum hand size. So he's got Reliquary Tower tacked on. And his final ability is a bit like, um, a bit like what's his face, Omnath. Uh, yeah. If unused mana would empty from your mana pool, that mana becomes colorless instead. And I think that's, I applaud them for the economy of that, of that wording. That's, yeah, I think that's, yeah that's definitely. Basically that means that type. any mana you have left that you haven't spent at the end of your turn, it turns into colorless and then you keep it. Right. It just oh, sorry, at out. the end of any turn. Of any turn. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. yeah it, so you can, it's equity that you can bring to your next turn. Yeah. Right. So Let's it allows say. you to accumulate uh, a, 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 you know, a, a comical store of mana, <laughs> which you can then you know, apply to obscene uses as a... Yeah, so the first things this makes me think of... Uh, you know, obviously you've got your deck built already, but let me just see if I can nail it. Go um, for it. Yeah. I mean, first of all, gods are great commanders because there's not a lot of great Ways answers to, to them. them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. In, you in want fact, him to stay in Yeah, you don't want you, him to be a god. You spend a lot of time keeping that devotion low. Yeah, because you you don't want the creature, you want the ability, and it's really hard to exile. It's a lot harder to exile an enchantment than it is yeah. a creature. Right. So that's the first like big upside. It happens. There, there's enough spot removal that targets permanence in general. Yeah. You, you, it'll well, get I'm sure it can get... happen. It's just harder. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. it's much harder. It's wonderful. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people don't really include in their toolbox index specifically god removal. I, you right. know, I, I find right. deicide is not like a commonly run card. No. You know, I don't yeah. imagine I would. Run you need DSI, exile yeah. target yeah. permanent because nobody's really running exile target enchantment, and right. that's the only other thing that would do it. So right. Yeah, you need to exile target permanent, basically. Sure. Or tuck um, it. That's it. It's or dev- tuck it. devastating. Yeah. Devastating loss. To but it has to be experience. tuck permanent or hinder. Right. Right. It's got to be oblation. It's got to be yeah. chaos. Fortunately, work. you yeah. are in a deck that runs a color that's called blue, blue and has a spell called counterspell. That was the thing. Is you know, <laughs> I was in, totally enchanted by Omnath, and like I was, I mean, enchanted. I I, I loved Omnath. As, as you can a, be enchanted by Omnath. <laughs> yeah, Krufix <laughs> right. is basically an enchanted version of Omnath. He is. Yeah. He is. And I I was. You know, as a Johnny and as someone who's interested in, in, in running with decks that are, you know, that are, um, allow me to do shenanigans. Yeah. Um, I was looking at Omnath. Well, EDH like, is about shenanigans. It is it's all about That's the heart and soul of the format, of course. And so I'm looking at Omnath and I'm like, I want to build you, but you are inadequate. I, you don't have enough. I don't want to play a mono green deck. If I did, yeah. I'd probably It's really hard Zusa, to have enough tools Yeva. around it. Yeah. 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 I might, I would, I would, I would opt elsewhere. But when they, when they spoiled Krufix, or Krufix, I've always said Krufix. I think the world says Krufix. I might I, be in the wrong here, but who I, knows? So who when knows? they spoiled, I don't know if we're right, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people say Krufix. They yeah. Yeah. I hear Krufix. Could be they wrong. Absolutely, and they say, and they say Garrick. Of course, I, I say Giza. like an absolute pedestrian. Uh, garbage. Well, Mar- Mar- Meryl recently said it is it is Garrick. It is confirmed Garrick. Confirmed I, uh, Garrick. I, I have to amend. But yeah. it's okay. You yeah. can still have your animated gifs and gifs, yeah. guys. It's, it's all right. It's up it, to you. However, I'll you swim with the current. It. It's, yeah. it's, it's Garrick and Krufix. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know what? I saw that. I saw what he did, and I saw that he had blue, and I was like, this is possible now. This right. is this is there. And in order to keep him under the devotion limit, you run. All the counter spells you run, you run the grip of EDH playable counter spells. Well, yeah. it, feels, it feels like there's basically going to be three aspects, right? It's going to be stuff that makes a ton of mana, right? Or repeatably use your mana, right? Mm-hmm. Stuff that uses that mana to kill people, correct? And stuff that stops anything else, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's and a I, wonderful yeah. control. Yeah, and, and if you want to play control, I mean, you just you just hang back and. 
you might, you might people might think you're dirtling. You know, you're just making up mana, but you just. I mean, they have to know when they see your commander. Like, yeah. we can't let him get a ton of mana because he's going to have some way yeah. to use it. Like, who puts that commander as their commander? And then it's like, I have 150 mana, but I have nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, no threat. Yeah. Just for fun, guys. Yeah. I just wanted to see if I could get there. As long as you can keep the grip. Keep the keep the draw going. If you have the resources in your hand, which is pretty standard, if you have if you have the cards, you you and the the the, the general gives you the mana, so yeah. you're gonna be in a position to just cast forbid over and over again. Forbid yeah. is probably my favorite counterspell in the deck. You know, it's got buyback for dis for the mm -hmm, cost of discarding mm -hmm. two cards. And after a certain point, you've you know you've stroke of genius yourself for sixty, <laughs> or or you've yeah. stuck a mystic study really early, you know, and you've just been building up stuff. So you know you just counter everything, and it just yeah. goes forever. And I think one thing that you may not immediately realize about Krufix, which is why he's so great, is that I assume the basic play is leave all your mana up with all your counters, be able to cast cards at flash speed, yep. and let the whole turn go around. Yep. And when it finally gets back to you, you can just add that mana to your mana pool forever yep. until you use it, and it untaps and it's your turn well, again. Well, it's interesting. Like, Do you find that, like, what are you doing? You're waiting till end step, and then... Okay, I'm gonna tap all and my then mana. You tap. Yeah, you leave it. You pool. leave your lands open, prioritizing colored uh -huh. because you're because again, Kruvix will turn off the color and yeah. make them colorless, and so you can't cast counter spells with this. Right. So you want to keep your islands and your blue sources pretty clean, um, but you're not just waiting until the end step of the person to your right. You're waiting everybody. for everybody's end step, and you're right. using Seedborn Muse and Prophet of Kruvix together, stacking the triggers to get as many as yeah, as much mana as possible yeah, all the time. Absolutely right. So if you have Prophet of Krufix and Seedborn Muse out, what happens is Prophet untaps all your lands. You tap them real quick, then right. Seedborn untaps all your lands. Not right. even real well, quick. Seedborn, you untaps, just, you Seedborn just untaps permanence too. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you're getting your mana rocks in play. And well, you, you know, you and Prophet run... untaps creature uh, creatures. So right. Right, right. Yeah, I was surprised when I looked at your list. There's no like, um, there's no real creature producing. Uh, it's it's a build that I've seen and it's it's a it's a, a way you can go. Uh, one of the it does produce creatures uh, on some of the win cons like Hydra Broodmaster Master, and yeah yeah no I meant uh, mana producing creatures yeah oh no um I'm used to I'm used to metas in which board games or in, in, in which board creatures. wipes rule uh -huh. and I'm, ah, I, I'm, I'm used to very frequent damnations and day of judgments and so I like to play builds that sort of allow those waves to wash over me mm -hmm. uh, without you know wasting all of my all of my gear. I guess we should actually ask you very quickly about that. What is your meta in your playgroup, and, and what do you see sort of happen, just so that we can also have a little more information walking into this deck build? Like, how many people, first of all, are in your we, we're normal playing player? Like, we're playing, like, five to, to nine-person games. And then, I mean, wait, not, wait, nine you play a game nine, with nine people at once? Well, it's untenable. I hate doing it. It's boring. Why we, don't you... Yeah, you got to split that yeah, into yeah, four and five. five. That's what we're sort of getting to the point now. But <laughs> we crazy, have, dude. We have... A, six, <laughs> yeah. six is too big. It's like one of those... Six is the worst number, because three sucks, and six sucks. Yeah, you guys are like... In a clown car it's of, goofy. of magic it's, over it's there. really oh dumb it take, everyone takes so long and you just go make a meal between your turns and you stuff. just play a uh, three-headed giant yeah 3v3v yeah, my point is that we have a lot of dudes in my living room okay uh, well no wonder <laughs> no wonder there's so many board wipes so yeah. if you're playing with nine yeah, people you want to exactly everyone like somebody has a board wipe on every turn yeah honestly it, it's it's brutal and so is your um, game fast like what turn does it usually end on would you say uh late they're pretty long they, they go for oh. a while because people because people are we, they're we just don't, blowing the world up all the time. They're blowing up the world. They're they're casting chaos, uh, like you know, uh, what's it, the world, the not world fire, um, the chaos card, like the, just the silly red. Oh god, world, world. They're casting world, world. We have really oh. like people are, are out to do shenanigans, um, <laughs> but people are also out to win. And Krovix, right. I feel like is is. Is there anyone out just to make infinite creatures and swing? Uh, well, it happens. Yeah, we've got we have well, a Well, you deck. kind of are. 
Yeah, I, I, I it's not infinite yeah. creatures, but yeah, it's, yeah. they're not infinite. There's, I, I make a point of counting exactly how many there are because I want that number to ring out. You know, yeah, it's dramatic not just I make time. some arbitrary number. It's Man, like, no, nine this is people exact, is a right. lot of that, people. That's too many. Um, it isn't always that big. We mm-hmm. actually play on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And if your play group is looking for a good time to wow. find a time when everyone's there, I suggest you try it. Just give it, give it a shot one time. Because be honest with yourself, what are you doing Sunday morning time? If you're not in church, <laughs> you're in bed. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and it's or like, making breakfast. We're making breakfast, but you just, have no plans. And, otherwise, and hang on, you have no plans. Otherwise, you might get together later with later with your friends in the afternoon and stuff. But by then, it's kind of Sunday night. You got to get ready for the week. Start your Sunday off with like wake up and have your friends show up, and you know maybe you're the host, so maybe make a big pot of oatmeal for them and like brew coffee, and everyone shows up, and everyone's so excited to start their day with this game we love, and it's yeah, it's great. yeah. And I would do Sunday morning drafts. I think I could do make that part. Yeah, like yeah. Someone's got a box of Innistrad. Yeah. I'll do draft anytime. I just recently yeah. got a box of Modern Masters, just waiting to get that drafted. Is, that's exciting. We just drafted it last week. We did last just week. draft it. We, we are spoiled. Yeah. Uh, Would you guys pull anything cool? I I did pull a foil he, Elspeth. I have the touch. He's got the touch. I never pull anything. <laughs> I pulled the best deck. You do have the best. You do have some of the most <laughs> what value. What you play? What was your build? Rebels. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Dude, all Rebels all day. I had... You were tutoring for Rebels like every <laughs> turn for two. Oh, my god! I had a Rebels deck and it had about 14 Rebels in it That's and great. six Rebel Searchers. It was broken. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. pretty pretty but, um, wild. Okay, let's talk about, yeah, let's let's get back to your deck here and talk about a few more of the cards. I sure, see Doubling sure. Cube. Here. Doubling Cube is the heart and soul of the deck. It seems like yeah. it is truly the heart and soul of the deck. And I actually, I bought that foil randomly because I thought the card was exciting way before, you know, like a year before uh, Kruvix was spoiled. And mm-hmm. I was, it's exciting. I'm sure that foil, that price has gone up way more than I paid for uh, it. Especially uh, with Kruvix. Yeah, remember. well, exactly. Yeah, because of exactly. Let yeah. me read it really quick. It's a uh, two mana for an artifact. It says pay three and tap it. Double the amount of each type of mana in your mana pool. Right. So Woo! I'm assuming this is usually doubling your colorless. I mean, it often hits colorless, yeah. but if you do it on your turn and there's a bunch of, and you've just tapped all your lands into it, you at that point you essentially have an arbitrary amount of, of colored mana to play with. You, you don't really, but like, no. The game oh, that's right. true, because yeah. you have all the colorless saved from your previous turns. Right, yeah. And so you just use three of those mm-hmm. and Correct. you just double your mana, basically, right. and then colored you, mana. Yeah, and, and then, then that's all going to spill into. Right, yeah. well, Voltaic Key, and then you pop it open, double Kira's again. Follower. Kira's Follower, pop it again. Yeah, yeah, um, a lot of ways to untap it. Yeah, Tezzeret the Seeker, pop, pop them again. Right, so you can right. literally, like, in one turn, if you, what, what that, that's like two oh, to the fourth power. Yeah, it's exponential, your, and that's, the, that's yeah. the point, is when you when you have a word like double. You, you need a, a calculator when you play <laughs> yeah. this deck. At a certain, I, I've been sort of, you know, uh, kind of enforcing the arithmetic on myself, mm-hmm. uh, but just, after after a certain number of digits, you get you kind of over, get over. Right. It. You're just like I'm above a million. Yeah, I'm yeah. over. Yeah, my record my record for amount of production in this deck is 15 million. Wow. I play Vidalkin Orrery past turn in his end step. I flash in a gelatinous Genesis uh, f- with 15 million mana, and it's like it's, <laughs> it was it was like 303 like 3,500 million. Uh, right, a lot of that exact, yeah, like, a lot of gelatinous. You know, with that exact, yeah, you're dead. power and um, it, it just, just said you're dead. It yeah. was just silly. It's just goofy. Or like, alternatively, you can. Um, there are draw spells in the deck, things like Stroke of Genius and Blue Sun Zen. Right. Uh, Let's talk about your your finishers, actually. Cause yeah, cause, you have several options here right, how right. to win. Essentially, um, one of them is mill. So yes. you've got cards like Stroke of Genius in there, Blue Sun Zenith. Oh, these are all essentially make someone draw their yeah. deck Well, I out. like something like Stroke of Genius because it's dual purpose, right? It's right. like uh, yeah. if I if I have it and I I'm not, I'm in a modest amount of mana for this deck would be like what thirty ish. Yeah, that's uh, real really modest. That's yeah. very low. So yeah. then I can fire it off to go find all the pieces I need to really get into I would the even fifteen wait. million yeah. range. Thirty seems you wouldn't low. draw thirty. If, if I'm digging for pieces, I will draw thirty if if it's dire. 
You know, if I'm doing it in response, if it's if dire, it's if it's dire, dire, I'm looking thirty for, cards into you know, my hand. That I'm, sounds about seriously, right. I'd like to hold on. I'd like to hold out for fifty. I'd like to maybe, right, maybe right. Even sixty, depending on what my library is like. You don't find that if you say I cast this and draw fifty cards, that the whole table doesn't tr- turn to kill you because that's what, what would happen gonna, in our game. What are right, they going to do? I, I now have fifty counter spells. Like I have so much. Like, you know, I, have, I have a big hand. I'm actually. I feel great. Drawing fifty cards. I mean, of course I would, but like, I mean, I think a lot of us would feel great if we. But I mean, get you had to spend fifty cards, mana yeah. to do it, and presumably, but it, I, if I, they I, let you get to three hundred mana, you. I would not have done that if I didn't have the colorless then to protect myself after the effect. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna like you. You spend you spend as much colorless as you can, prioritizing and really preserving those colored mana sources for moments like that for defending those plays, and so you're digging. First of all, you're probably going to hit Pact of Negation if you don't have it already. Mm-hmm. So right. that's fine. That doesn't help. That doesn't cost anything. But then you're going to get into um, you're going to get into a lot of defensive plays like evacuation or ether spouts or something. You just want to you want to keep you, you don't have access to, to to true board wipes, but mm-hmm. you can you can definitely keep uh, aggression at bay. Right. Doesn't it, the goal is to have it not matter mm-hmm. how angry the table is at you. Mm-hmm. you? Just have a vulgar display of power in which it doesn't like people let them try. Let, like let that. them try. I like, like that vulgar the, display yeah. of power. <laughs> I actually can't take credit for it. That was one of my like one of my housemates said that to me after a glorious Krufix win. Right? Ah, <laughs> I see. Um, I, let's talk about some of your counters. Actually, I, I thought Trickbind was a really good addition to this deck, and actually for a lot of EDH because uh, I'll read the text on it. It's one in the blue for an instant that has split second. So as long as, long as it's on the stack, it's the last thing on there. You can't right. essentially counter that. Uh, it says counter target activated or triggered ability. If a permanent ability is countered this way, activated abilities of that permanent can't be played this turn. Right. I think this card should be should see a lot more EDH play. I think it's a, a wonderful counter spell, especially for generals that have an activated ability. That right. That I'm thinking really specifically of Prosh. You know, someone that yeah. has a sack outlet built into them, and I think it's great because it says. You know, like there's a card called um, that that was reprinted in Conspiracy that is just stifle. You just do it once, oh, right? And like it's right. like, well, that's great, but what that's if they just helpful. do it again? And in EDH, the the difference between one and two mana is less pronounced, than other, right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. So it's I, basically, not even there. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I like Especially trick bind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because you have the ability to actually stop uh, at least buy yourself that much extra time to do right. something if it is a general that could go infinite you know in that turn if you don't stop it um let's talk about sponsor you're saying how you only need lock. 30 mana with this game. <laughs> <Spon> <laughs> you only i love the, the math mana, that's though. happening at this it table. is actually with very with easy. Is even, very easy even if you're super modest and let's say let's say the worst happened you had a horrible draw you only have six mana on the table yeah mm-hmm. that's still like if yeah. you just get Prof of Crufix, that's once around the table. It's also exciting because this card sees play nowhere. Where would you play this card? <laughs> it was actually someone on Reddit made the suggestion, like in uh, uh, as a w- potential win con for for Crufix, and I um, immediately threw it in, and then went ahead and, and found a bunch of Eldrazi cards and sleeved them up in appropriate gray sleeves, which uh, and I keep them in the box with the deck in the event that I will get to do this. You want to read it? Just yeah, so. let's let's hear that. Right, right. So sponsor sponsor of Ulamog is a seven eleven for ten colorless. It's an Eldrazi with an Annihilator one. Uh, he has two activated abilities. The first is for four colorless, without a tap symbol, uh, you may put two zero one colorless Eldrazi spawn creature tokens onto the battlefield. And they, as we know, have the ability to sacrifice this creature to add one colorless mana to your mana pool. Um, and the big one. And most importantly, uh, <laughs> for 20 colorless mana, 
Um, and without, again, without the tap symbol, you could presumably do this more than once. Although, uh, why? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. You, you shouldn't have to because you shouldn't it, have to. It says, it says for twenty colorless, you may cast any number of Eldrazi cards you own from outside the game without paying their mana costs. Yeah. So this card is interesting because it says something three words that you very rarely see on Magic cards, which is outside the game. Yeah, and people take <laughs> issue with this. Many people wish you never saw that these words. This is it, right. This, like, this 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 mechanic is a point of contention, I believe, in the play. Sponsor of Ulamog, I can see why people take issue of it because it's not like it's not like what's in your deck so it's right. like oh it might be in my hand or my graveyard but no it's from anywhere it could be in Albania yeah and you would have to fly over and yeah. grab those cards and you could legally cast them if usually you it means what this means is in tournament play is in your sideboard uh, right. because yeah. right, right. you can't do anything from your collection now in a kitchen table game right. it gets a little bit uh, I host my EDH play groups so I can just walk over to the shelf yeah, yeah exactly. minor, but yeah. I don't always I don't only play at home so I keep them there here I keep them sleeved up carry them around with the deck and do you do you, you have to limit yourself I don't even know the ruling on this to singleton still yeah I'm not sure I, I would actually love to hear I think so because I think in yeah. EDH like you're not allowed to have two of the same card in play. In play. Like, yeah, in play, like, I, don't, right. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. I, I mean, like you can't be the owner of two of the same card that's in the that's currently in the game. You can't be the mm-hmm. owner. Yes, you can certainly control right another copy of a card if someone else brought it to the table. I don't know the the, the official ruling on that. Um, I've kept the singleton. Um, the singleton rule out of respect for the format. There's still yeah, a I lot think, of choices yeah. there. You can still yeah. drop like a whole bunch of Eldrazi on the table it's, and kill everybody. It's yeah. still goofy. And I think it's very flavorful. You can't be dropping two, you know, two of the biggest guys that already exist, two Ulamogs. That doesn't right. make any sense. No, kind of most importantly, what really seals the deal is casting All is Dust and It That Betrays at the same time. Ah. So It That Betrays. Yeah. You stack it. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't matter. You don't well, even have to. Well, it's the same yeah. time. They, yeah. they interplay at the same time because they're, they're coming into play with the sponsor right, ability. Right. Mm-hmm. But so All is Dust. Uh, is a uh, a colorless board wipe tribal sorcery Eldrazi for seven. Yeah. Uh, each player sacrifices all colored permanents he or she controls, um, and which is meaningful because it tells us to sacrifice. And now it the betrays uh, is an eleven eleven Eldrazi for twelve with an Eye two. Uh, most importantly, he says, whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent, put that card onto the battlefield under yeah, your control. Yeah, so you control. just get everything. It's just exciting. It's like a Johnny's dream. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like this is a, a and not dream a Johnny moment. the Planeswalker, a Johnny. No, as, as the psychographic <laughs> pl- profile, those who like to build decks that win, but win in their way and Absolutely. create an win interesting in style. Win in yeah, style. Win you know, style. what is more stylish than having the God of Horizons, the God of Mystery? Uh, like tear a hole in the plane and just like <laughs> dump a bunch of these, you know, like colorless like kaiju into into yeah. wherever you guys are and just have them eat the world. Like, there you go. That's that's yeah. an altar right there. It's a you know, kaiju altar. And that's the that's the flavor. That's the that's like kind of like the flavor fun of this deck is that you know he is the god of mysteries and he can win in a in a variety of of dramatic and sort of mysterious ways. Like he can f- like fill your brain with too much knowledge so that you die. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, interesting! You know, he can he can bring the Eldrazi in. He can uh, do whatever Helix Pinnacle is doing. I love Helix Pinnacle, <laughs> which is just a yeah. hundred. It's like a hundred mana. It's hard from a flavor perspective to uh, to explain what that card's doing. It's just you yeah. Get, here, you want to read it? I mean, yeah, sure. So it's it's an interesting enchantment. It's a green enchantment for one for one green mana. Um, it has Shroud. Uh, just just to rub it in. You don't see uh, a lot of enchantments with, <laughs> with Shroud. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And so it has the ability at instant speed, no tapping, of course no tapping, it's an enchantment, but you may pay X colorless to put X tower counters, counters on Helix Pinnacle. Um, at the beginning of your upkeep, if there are 100 or more 100 or more tower counters on Helix Pinnacle, you win the game. You win the game. You just win. So the beginning of your upkeep. And and with Crufix, not too far out of reach. Really, really within reach. In fact, one of the few cards that I think Crufix is just like, oh yeah, that... 
I can add that to yeah, my it wheelhouse. Was, it was an auto-include. I think, I think the whole community recognized that at once when they saw Crufix, and it's actually probably my least favorite way to win. It's pretty boring. Yeah, I can, I can understand why. I would prefer to sponsor. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I mean, obviously you really enjoy the flavor of these cards as you are playing them with the God of Mystery. Do you find that that influences your deck building for EDH? No. We should not have to, we should not have to sacrifice performance in the game in order to have good flavor. Um, flavor that doesn't actually manifest in the game mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It is actually like you know like there is there is inherent value in in narrative and flavor and stuff. But I don't care what your deck does if it never does it. If it can do it, if it's like oh my deck is so flavorful, it's this cool story like it's got this thing set up like this can win in that way. It's gonna be like <laughs> does it do that? Do you actually get to do that in the game? Is it good enough to do it? And so if you're playing these games where like your deck has you know, magnificent potential, but it doesn't actually materialize. I don't actually find that valuable as a player. I don't really enjoy mm-hmm. that experience, and so I allowed that. I allowed that to push me into a more competitive design space as a, as a, as a, th- a player and as a thinker. <laughs> yes, <definitely>. Johnny <laughs> still want to win games. Yeah, you're yeah. trying to like yeah. you're not are you having fun if you lose because I don't. So back to <laughs> getting back to the Krufix deck. What do you find is something that the deck has problems with? Like when when. The deck stumbles, or when you know you're not winning games. Like it's all about those early plays. It's mm-hmm. all about the beginning. If you can turn, if you can stick a turn one exploration and just like race ahead into the ramping stuff, you're going to be in a great position because you you want to have a big grip. You want to have card advantage, just like just like any deck. Um, but you're very vulnerable in the beginning when you're just play, you're getting your little. Your are there certain cards that up. are just like uh? Because um, you don't. It's, it it looks like. You have a lot of counters and stuff, but if something actually makes it out on the table, like yeah, a good aggressive creature that's just like wailing into me. I mean, in, in earlier builds, I was running, I was running fog effects because uh-huh. I needed time. Right. Um, but no I've, longer is that an issue. No longer, it's less an issue now. Of uh, the ramp pack. What about is, like a meddling mage or a nevermore? Uh, that would be that would be brutal. I don't see metamore in my nevermore in my um playgroup in my in my playgroup in my meta. Um, that's. That level of hate <laughs> has not showed up. Nevermore, people. Nevermore. <laughs> if you want to win games and you put Nevermore, like you can shut down basically any that's EDH. A, edge. Yeah. It'll change your whole playgroup. Yeah. yeah. I imagine that. Everyone right. will have to start running uh, dist- uh, Exile uh, yeah. enchantment effects. Like, For sure. You have to. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, run, I just, run removal. Like You should always run, be running removal, and it should be a diverse package of removal to be able to handle whatever comes your way, but mm-hmm. that is that is a brutal a brutal play. I have not I seen mean, are that. there any other cards that like you could think of that like they hit the table and you're just like, ah, oh, crap. Um, we have a heartless Hidegetsu mm-hmm. deck in the middle, ah, and yes. that is particularly threatening because it's symmetrical and it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter how much mana I have. And I you can, have trouble. I can, right. I can trick bind it once, but like, you know, it's it's those kind of decks that don't care how much mana I have and are just messing with my life, with my life thing. Like, you know, some right. decks you can really, you, you can consume life as a resource. This is not one of them. Um, you're going to get hit a couple times in the beginning, maybe. Right. Um, and, and so getting a like, fast start before you're able to yeah. get the mana you need to do silly, crazy yeah. shenanigans. Yeah, and if the playgroup's smart and they've seen what it does, they'll hit you early. That's what so. I was thinking is, like, once you pull out, like, 15 million mana one time, like, I feel like... Yeah. From that in our playground, it's like, oh, you flip over that card? All right. right Every, yeah. Everyone's just going to attack Full you. Right, definitely, you. yeah. Like, it's like, you're going to be threatening later. You're dirtling now, but yeah. I know what happens later, so you're dead now. And it makes it you easier know? for yeah. everyone to be like, okay, good. We don't need to argue with each other about who we should swing at. It's, it's clearly the Krufix player. Yeah, it's this guy. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> right, but the, the as I said before, the point is to is to have enough mana, have enough cards, and have, have included enough counter spells that you get to laugh that off. It's so wonderful. It's right. just great to like fight down a whole table that has allied against you and to just stand there as the god of horizons and just like, <laughs> let them like you know, you know falter. It's great. It's wonderful. 
I, I mean, that's definitely why I play games, is to get to that point where the deck has done what it needs to do, and the commander is being the commander. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, every ADH deck has to be designed with that moment in mind, right? The, yeah. Like, where you're going to win, and they can't the whole table can't stop you even if they like realize it and try and try right. their absolute yeah. hardest right yeah. it's like you guys realize too late yep <laughs> <laughs> um now do you find that this deck if crucifix just gets countered hindered tucked just sort of falls flat no because the dig is so strong you're gonna get him back right right um so yeah, i mean what's him. what what would you i mean not to well, unless well actually you know if you if you do lose him and you lose that mana yeah that's that why that's cash, what i was yeah. thinking is yeah. like your dig is basically based on having based on 50 mana or 100 mana or whatever so if he gets tucked then it's you, you lose it the next upkeep it's, right? it's pretty rough it's it's a it's a scary play you try to not let those happen um, you just don't open yourself up to it. When do you yeah, ca- right. Like, right. Wh- on what turn do you cast him? Do you cast him on turn five, or do you wait until you have like a, a grip of uh, counter spells? It's and- definitely risky. Um, I prefer to cast him before turn five, uh-huh. right? Uh, of of course. course, but um, I often do turn five. Let it go. He is indestructible. Um, the tucking effect so hinders the only thing you're worried about when you do it. I'm, I am definitely scared of hinder and spell crumble for sure. Um, I'm very scared of ablation. Mm. Oblation and Chaos Warp are are scary cards to see. Chaos Warp Chaos is Warp. very very <laughs> scary and yeah. possibly the best red removal there is. I think it's probably the best red removal for sure, at least in this format. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, because um, yeah, of course it's a singleton yeah. format. Like yeah. in a regular deck, you have four copies of anything, and yeah. your deck's a lot thinner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's not yeah. as tucking, good. Tucking, tucking, but is in a, EDH, is a it's like yeah, it's. It's true. I guess tucking really kind of does shut down any deck that runs around its commander. Now, are there are there ways outside of card draw that your deck is sort of built to potentially function without its commander? It's a question that we ask of every deck. You know, right. does this deck work and still accomplish its synergistical means? Or at least does it have a chance to? You know, a lot of decks yeah. are like, yeah. okay, you're going to be crippled, but you might be right. able to still limp your way across the finish line. Mm-hmm. I mean, without 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 Crawfix, without the the accumulation of mana, you're still making a lot of it. You're uh-huh. still a, a a very well off blue and green control build. Right. Um, um, you can at least not die. For, you can stall for, for a can, long time. You can stall for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fine. gives you a chance to draw yeah, him you'll, again you'll and get back on the rails. Again. And if not, you'll just make 30 mana and spawn sire <laughs> in the middle of your turn. You can do it's that fine. naturally yeah. even without him. I mean, 30's, yeah. 30 is a lot, but it's not Yeah, it definitely it definitely happens. Well, with doubling cube, anything is possible. That That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially if you can untap it once or twice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's glorious. I, I'm guessing you don't very often find yourself attacking with Crufix. Because he's just not I've, a creature. I've done well, it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's happened. But he doesn't turn on as a creature until you're about to win in other ways. Mm-hmm. Typically, like you, you don't might, want him to, to be devoted. You don't want you him really, to be vulnerable, you really right? Really yeah, don't. yeah. You, you want him to stay as ethereal and mysterious as possible. Phyrexian Metamorph copies Dublin Cube. That's fun. This deck is another testament to the power of Prophet of Crucifix, though. That yeah. deck, like, I don't care what your deck's yeah. doing if you're playing green and blue in any combination of whatever other colors. Like, that de- that card will do something in your deck. Like, just put it in there. It's excellent. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I take it you guys saw the alternate art foil they printed in the Clash Packs. Absolutely. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. Beautiful. Don't I, have it yet. We need I mean, one. I want one. So, I need, yeah. like, four, because I have, yeah. like, four yeah, decks right? that have that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> every EDH I, EDH deck I build has profit group in it. Yeah. If I go around and look at a deck and it's those colors, I'll just like I'll think like, well, even if I don't have any decks in these colors, I'll probably need to at least get a couple of profit the crew fixes yeah. because they're just going to be so useful. It's and, like it's almost like consecrated sphinx in the level of whining you hear around it. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, we have to yeah. ban this, and it's like yeah. I just just kill it. Well, just when you're playing it. with nine other people at the table, it's yeah. absolutely freaking crazy broken. But nine. Yeah. That's nine opportunities for removal. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it's also nine times you get to untap your lands yes, and yes. counter yeah. and counter the removal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's the card draw. 
So that's true. That's so, yeah. true. All right, very cool, man. Well, thanks for joining us. Really no, it's been wonderful. It. Thank you, guys. I really yeah. appreciate it. I feel yeah, like we should play a game of EDH now. To We're just... going to have to maybe combine our play groups or maybe like a couple people from because yeah. I don't think we can support. We'll like, take some over. For... You should just people. come come to a Sunday gathering uh, <laughs> and we'll just like we'll break up into smaller pods. Yeah, that's yeah. what we did last time for the first time. We're thinking about doing. I don't know if you guys do this or um, if any of the, our listeners do this, but you guys, we we're thinking about having uh, a big dry erase marker board. I got one from Goodwill for like five uh, okay. so It's been in the yard for doing nothing. You're in the, like this, we have a freestanding studio garage. We call it the studio because it sounds mm-hmm. cool. Um, it definitely sounds cool. Sounds great. It's better than the garage. Um, uh, so we have this this huge thing, and I'm thinking about maybe instituting like a merit badge system where like, you know, ah. as we play, we organically award, like, oh, you took out three players at once. You get the, the triple kill merit badge. And you write, <laughs> it, write it up on the board next to your name. Or think about imp- implementing a system like that. And so, sort of an achievement system. Yes, exactly. Players. Yes, you guys are totally Achievement welcome. unlocked. Yeah. yeah. Triple kill. <laughs> I think that would definitely affect the meta a bit if someone's like, this week I'm going to get the quadra kill. Yeah, It's going to happen. I'm going to kill four people at once. You guys are welcome to come and add your names to that board. <laughs> start, start accumulating merit badges <laughs> as we do awesome things. We'll see you there in that case. Case. That is a cool idea. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, James. Where can we find you online for those that are interested? Um, please follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is jamespianca.com. That's P like pizza, I, A, N as in Nancy, K as in kitchen, A. Uh, uh, but James- not dot .com. James Pianca is your at Twitter. At James Pianca? At James Pianca is my Twitter handle. I I, uh, I have a my, my portfolio is up online at jamespianca.com. Gotcha. Um, it's it's professional, but you know, in this industry, so fun. But uh, if you want to get in touch, Twitter is, is where I live online. Uh, I, w- I will be... Up front of that, though, I do not tweet about magic almost ever. Um, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm involved in a comedy writing scene on Twitter, and so uh-huh. uh, I am telling jokes and retweeting jokes, and uh, it will very rarely cater to, to gaming interests, but if you like comedy, I would love to love to see you. I don't think I can find anyone that doesn't like comedy. Right. You know, so that's, that's <laughs> great sure. to know. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm very excited to see what cards, and except for you to show me the foil versions of the cards oh, yes. that you wrote for. <laughs> yeah, once the set's Arcade. finally out, you can tell us like which cards are yours. And absolutely. Then, uh, and then speak more at length about what it was like like to talk about. You know, yeah, absolutely. I will be unshackled by the NDA once. Ah, you will be Obnixilis. Like yeah. uh, we, we did it, guys. We're bringing magic into real life Pow. all over again. Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> all, all right, right guys. guys. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hi, everybody. Unfortunately, Jimmy and I will be out of town uh, this week. So next week, that's Tuesday, August 26th, there will be no episode. But don't worry, we've got uh, more great topics and awesome special guests coming up for you uh, starting the first Tuesday in September. So thank you for listening and stay tuned. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs>